Welcome, we're glad you're joining us today. A Reason for Hope is an hour-long live broadcast which is dedicated to uh, your questions on God's Word, the Bible. That's right, if you have questions on the Bible, you can send them in to our various platforms, which I'll explain to you in, uh, in a moment. Send those questions in, I'll be fielding them as we go along, and we'll delve into the Bible to answer those questions. So really, any question, any honest question you have, as long as you know, we're going to find the answers in the Bible, in Scripture. That's what we're all about here at Reason for Hope. So we're very glad for you, the, the viewer, joining us and working along with us as we move along to that end with me today. Just uh, me and Pastor Scott Richards over here. How you That's doing? That's right. Just uh, the two of us. A one-on-one -on -one sort of dialogue. Here. Yes. Yes, it uh -oh. is. I hope you don't have any hard can questions we get along? for me. Can we get along for this? <laughs> I'm sure we can. Yeah, yeah I, I hope it doesn't degenerate into like a thumb war or anything okay, like might. that before the we'll program see. is we'll over. We'll see what happens. Yeah. You never know. We're yeah. close enough to have a thumb war. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, the questions, who knows what questions you guys are going to ask. Uh, we certainly welcome you to, to send those in. So as I mentioned, the reason for hope is a... Uh, uh, an outreach of Calvary Christian Fellowship here in Tucson, Arizona. We are with you Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. here Mountain Standard Time. But of course, through the wonders of the internet, you can join us at, uh, uh, you know, whatever time that is for you all around the world. And we have people that do that. So we welcome you all. It is an outreach of Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson. So keep that in mind as you're trying to find us. You can go to our website, calvarychristianfellowship.com. That's a great home base for you especially if you have a problem on maybe another platform, we have the most control over that being our website. If you go to the Watch Live tab, which is right there, you can go to our live page. The direct link for that is ccftucson.online.church. But again, follow the links from our website. We'll take you there as well. You will see a schedule of upcoming events and our countdown if we're not online to the next uh, time. Not only A Reason for Hope, but our services here at Calvary Christian Fellowship. We have a Wednesday evening service. We're currently going through the book of Ezekiel. And on Sundays, we have three morning services currently going through the book of Acts. We're a Calvary Chapel-style church, so you'll find with uh, pretty much all Calvary chapels, we work through verse by verse, pass, uh, chapter by chapter. So that's what we do here. So those are the books we're in. If you're in the Tucson area and would like to join us, you're more than welcome to do that. Uh, but then back to the online page. Once we're online, you'll see the video there. You'll see a chat function. You can sign in with a username and send your questions in through that. And again, as I said, I'll be watching those as we go along. On Facebook, I'm sure you're familiar with Facebook, look for Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson or facebook.com slash Tucson. Don't forget while you're there to like and to share. We'd love to, to reach out to your friends and the people in your sphere of influence as well. So if you've been blessed by the ministry, do share us around. We'd appreciate that. Uh, but once again, send your questions on the chat function. I'll be having my eyes there as well. We have an app you can download on your mobile device, whether it's iPhone or Android. Just go to your app store, look for Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson. You see a theme. Uh, just carrying that one here. <laughs> Did I mention I like Calvary that. Christian Fellowship <laughs> of Tucson? Uh, you'll see the, the white Calvary Chapel logo dove right there and uh, download that. That's our app. We also have, oh, I moved on to the next page. We have a, a, a channel on Roku and Apple TV. So if you have a smart TV or you have a Roku uh, stick or device, uh, same with Apple TV, you can find a channel um, there as well, and watch us on your big screen. Why not do that? Again, Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson. Search for us, find us. On YouTube, the channel is called A Reason for Hope. A Reason for Hope on YouTube. That's a great place to go. If you missed a show, if you wanted to recap a question that we covered, um, our services are archived there as well. So that's a great kind of archive base to go to on YouTube. We, we post, uh, we've been getting more consistent with posting the questions that we covered in the info on the video, so you'll be able to see uh, what uh, questions were covered there. So youtube.com slash at a reason for hope 546 or just search for a reason for hope. Look for the Calvary Chapel white uh, dove and you will find us there as well. 
Pastor Scott, he was on Twitter. If you're on Twitter, I'd like to follow along with him. He posts updates from the show, highlights from the show, and updates on world events. We're going to get into a bit of an update here in a moment. Uh, but he posts things on there. If you're on Twitter, you would want to follow along with Scott. At Scott R4H is his handle. So if you're on Twitter, don't forget to add Scott. Follow along. Last but not least, our email address is questionsforhope at gmail.com. Questions for hope spelled out at gmail.com. You can email us there anytime. We appreciate your emails. Uh, if you listen to us on the radio, Reach Radio or another radio affiliate, you are listening to our previous show pre-recorded, um, so you're not live, so to speak. So you'll want to use that email address, and we will get to those questions on our next show and consider joining us on one of our live platforms when you can and when you feel so inclined. So there you go. There you go. All right. That's all the time we have today. <laughs> yeah, well, you all tuned in. Now, so. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. What well, would you like to pray for us, Scott, before I, we... I would further? love to do that. Let's let's, do let's bring it before the Lord. Father, I thank you so much that we have this opportunity to explore your word together. And Lord, in this uh, world where there is uh, uh, so much uh, confusion and division, uh, Lord, it is just so heartening to me to be able to see that you are moving and changing lives in a powerful way, that uh, in a very dramatic way, uh, people are waking up to their need to have a personal relationship with you through faith in your son and his life, death, and resurrection on our behalf. Lord, we pray that in some small way, this broadcast could uh, be a part of this work that you're doing, uh, awakening people up, uh, allowing people to see that you have solid answers to the deepest questions, not just of the head, but of the heart, and that you want to have them be a part of your forever family uh, before Jesus returns. Thank you, Lord, for the exciting times we live in. We pray that this program would encourage people to keep looking up uh, because uh, our redemption draws near. In Jesus' name, mm -hmm. amen. 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 Thank you. Well, I'm, I'm thankful when you're here, Scott, because you usually give us an update on what's going on in the world. I'm one of those people that if I watch too much news, I get a little bit overwhelmed. So I'm kind yeah. of, I usually get my update from you. <laughs> I, I, I have no idea why you feel that way. <laughs> right. Yeah. But so any updates? Yeah, I, I, I get overwhelmed so you don't have to be. That's right. That's, yeah. Thank that's, you for that. That's the service that we provide. Appreciate you. it. Boy, uh, tons and tons of stuff. Uh, going on in the news uh, that we want to make you aware of. As you know, uh, one of the uh, go-tos that we have as far as uh, our perspective on uh, last day's events is that uh, Israel is the straw that stirs the drink as far as prophecy is concerned. Uh, if you want to find out what's happening, uh, you got to look at uh, what our good friend Joel Rosenberg calls the epicenter. That is uh, what's going on. In Israel, uh, I think Don Stewart was the one who commented on the fact that uh, when it comes to the timing of Jesus' return, Israel's the hour hand, Jerusalem is the minute hand, and uh, the temple area itself is the second hand. And so we need to, to be aware of what's going on, particularly as world events pertain to Israel. And boy, aren't there a bunch of them. Uh, some of the headlines uh, today uh, involve the possibility of a civil war breaking out in Israel mm -hmm. uh, as a result of a real brouhaha that has come about as a result of uh, an attempt to reform the Israeli judiciary. Uh, what uh, this uh, bill uh, would do would be to, in a sense, uh, remove the independent nature, I guess you would say, of the judiciary from the uh, legislative function in Israel. And by that, what I mean is that uh, at this point, it's almost like the judiciary has uh, seized power over the legislative branch, the Knesset uh, in Israel, in that uh, they have uh, 
uh, in recent months, uh, thrown out bills that have passed uh, through uh, the Knesset and said, uh, no, uh, you, you can't do that, really not for super valid reasons. And I think the, uh, the uh, straw that uh, broke the camel's back for a lot of people was the, ju- the uh, judiciary uh, rejecting a particular cabinet appointment because the person wasn't reasonable. That was their view on all of that. So there was a backlash. And when Benjamin Netanyahu and his coalition came to power, one of the things that they've attempted to do is to bring back what they would call balance, what some people would call an imbalance, uh, to uh, how governance is conducted in Israel. In other words, uh, if this bill passes, uh, what the Knesset is able to do is the the majority uh, uh, parties in the Knesset, and, and you know they have a parliamentary form of government. Dave, you're familiar with that from mm-hmm. living in England. Very different from ours. Uh, basically, what you have to do is you have to get together a bunch of different political parties under one umbrella. If you have uh, more than uh, 61 seats, 120 seats in the Jewish Knesset, then you can form a government, and the head of your governing coalition is a prime minister. That's what happened uh, when Benjamin Netanyahu came to power. Well, coming to power, uh, one of the things that was immediately done was an attempt to say that the Knesset should have, in a sense, rule uh, over the judiciary. And and I hope I'm not oversimplifying all this. If you really want to dig into it, I would recommend uh, going to allisrael.com. Joel Rosenberg, our good friend, has a number of uh, different subjects that can, uh, articles that can explain uh, this subject to you. But suffice it to say, what this bill would do would be to allow uh, the ruling party in the Knesset to pick the judges on the Supreme Court or remove judges on the Supreme Court as they would see fit. Uh, and so, you know, the idea of stacking the court, the idea of uh, putting uh, certain people into this uh, has riled a bunch of people in Israel because they basically said, well, there's no more checks and balances. Uh, Benjamin Netanyahu's coalition could essentially do whatever it wants to do. And uh, the other elephant in the living room is that Benjamin Netanyahu is being investigated by uh, the uh, Israeli equivalent of our Justice Department uh, for uh, accusations of accepting bribes and so forth. So, uh, you know, again, parliamentary uh, government is uh, like the old proverb about uh, sausage. You really don't want to see how the sausage is made if you're ever going to have any of it ever again and, and that's that's really what's been going on here well the ante has been up there was a massive demonstration in uh, jerusalem today against the idea of this bill passing mm. concurrent with this massive demonstration the first vote on this uh, judicial reform uh policy came through and it passed almost two to one in the uh, the knesset mm. so uh, you know there's another couple of parliamentary procedures that have to go on before this thing is going to be actually ratified. But uh, there are individuals, credible individuals, uh, are uh, saying uh, that uh, it is uh, entirely possible uh, that uh, there could be uh, uh, a uh, civil war that would go on, including Israeli President 
Yitzhak Herzog said on Sunday he believes the Israeli parliament could come to a compromise agreement on the proposed judicial reforms. Uh, but he talked about his great concern over rifts in Israeli society. Mm. The president opened his remarks by talking about a Bible chapter, believe it or not, mm. uh, that he says is relatively unknown, but like many other Bible passages that speak of division, has a happy end. He directed the people of Israel to take a look at the book of Judges, chapter 22, of all things, about the tribes of Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh returning to their territories east of the Jordan River after the conquest of the land of Israel and uh, the death of Joshua. Well, beyond the Jordan, the tribes built a large altar to the Lord, which raised the ire of the uh, tribes on the other side because they basically said, hey, we're going to have to kick the Canaanites out of the promised land. You guys building this altar over on the other side of the Jordan River is basically saying, hey, this is our nation over here. You guys, uh, the Canaanites are your problem. And you made a promise that you would join with us and uh, be a part of the campaign that would remove the Canaanites from uh, the land. Well, uh, again, uh, chapter 22 of Joshua doesn't end with a civil war. Uh, It ends with both sides coming together and realizing uh, how uh, damaging both sides would be. And uh, these tribes that settled on the east side of the Jordan Mm -hmm. committed themselves militarily to be with the other uh, tribes uh, until the land was completely conquered. Mm -hmm. So uh, Herzog uh, basically said, if only we paid more attention to this chapter and taking its warning seriously, the Jewish history would have been different from end to end, which is a really interesting thing, appealing to the Bible as a source of unity for the Jewish people. Uh, he says, uh, quite frankly, uh, we are facing a fateful hour of testing. I see before my eyes the divisions and rifts within us, which are becoming more and more deep and painful. And I cannot help but reflect seriously on the fact that twice in history, a Jewish state arose in the land of Israel and twice it collapsed before reaching its 80th year. In this last week, I've invested everything in meetings and contacts with all sides of the map. He says, after these conversations, I state unequivocally, we can reach an agreement within a short period of time, not years, not months. He also said, we must not give up on Israeli unity. We must not give up on the Jewish and democratic state. However, he does feel that uh, there is a possibility of a civil war that could actually break out as a result of all of this, Mm. to which uh, the enemies of Israel have uh, pretty much jumped in, as you would imagine that they would. And uh, there was a a very strong warning uh, given uh, by uh, Israeli Prime Minister uh, Benjamin Netanyahu uh, to the head of Hezbollah in Lebanon. Hassan Nasrallah is this fellow. Uh, Hezbollah is a terrorist group that is the pretty much a wholly owned subsidiary of Iran. Uh, they have an incredible stockpile of missiles there in Lebanon. Supposedly the United States, the United Nations uh, was supposed to uh, have a peacekeeping uh, group there that would keep uh, Hezbollah from arming on this front. But uh, they're basically, they just watch as they do essentially whatever they want. Uh, they, they have no teeth uh, to in, enforce uh, anything. So uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, uh, hearing uh, remarks that Hassan Nasrallah made, that uh, when Israel goes into a civil war, that uh, Hezbollah could take advantage of that and uh, rain down fire on Israel, that this is Allah's judgment on Israel and so on. 
Uh, Netanyahu said, I heard the remarks by Hezbollah, Iran's proxy in Lebanon. I heard Nasrallah's remarks when he spoke about the demonstrations against the government and said with satisfaction that a civil war in Israel is approaching. Therefore, I say to Nasrallah, do not count on a civil war. It will not happen. It will not happen because we are indeed brothers. It will not happen because of what Nasrallah does not understand is that we are a living democracy. In a democracy, there are differences of opinion than debates. Sometimes there's agreement, and when there's necessary, there are decisions. There will be no civil war because we always remember that we have fought shoulder to shoulder to defend our state and build our land. Uh, again, Netanyahu went out of his way, and these were remarks, I believe, that were directed uh, not only to the United Nations, but to the United States as well. Israel is and will remain a strong, vibrant, and independent uh, democracy. So uh, the idea of, uh, of these judicial reforms uh, and Netanyahu speaking out about it is kind of interesting because uh, Netanyahu said, I wish I could give you more details about uh, the exact nature of this issue, but I can't because uh, the attorney general has told me that uh, due to conflict of interest, his position as prime minister, he cannot speak out about the specifics of the reforms. So as we mentioned, um, protests going on in Tel Aviv and uh, other major cities in Israel, uh, the Knesset voting almost two to one in support mm-hmm. of this uh, change of a venue as far as the relationship between the judiciary and the legislative branch in Israel. Uh, it is uh, a very interesting set of circumstances, especially light. Wait, there's more. Mm-hmm of uh, an article that was published uh, on the Bloomberg uh, website uh, that uh, Iranian uranium enrichment has now been boosted to 84% according to the atomic en- uh, the uh, International Atomic uh, Energy uh, Agency. Uh, they have determined that they have reached this 84% enrichment. And the, the reason that is significant is because Iran has attempted to dodge uh, responsibility mm. for uh, their enriching uranium by saying, well, we, we don't have weapons-grade uranium. We're just trying to purify it for mm. research purposes, for energy purposes, uh, medical purposes, and, and so on. It's fascinating to me that a country that literally sits on a pool of oil has to uh, enrich uranium uh, to build nuclear reactors. I yeah. think they've got as much energy as they need over right. there. So, you know, again, it's kind of like the ha, 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 everybody kind of knows what you're up to. But now that they've achieved this 84% enrichment, it's gone up from the last previously known level of 60%, which still had plausible deniability as far as being weapons grade is concerned. There is no reason, according to the IAEA, the International Atomic Energy Agency, there is no reason for anyone to enrich above 60% unless they are attempting to enrich and build an atomic weapon. Wow. So uh, this is not something that's coming out of Israel. Mm. This is not something that's coming out of the Netanyahu government. This is not even coming out of the United States. Mm. This is coming out of uh, the International Atomic Energy Agency, Mm. which is a a subsidiary of the UN. So, uh, you know, again, Iran denied that they are conducting enrichment at weapons-grade levels, Uh, but um, the IAEA says they have very firm evidence based upon this fact. Well, the the bottom line is this. Uh, If Israel is convinced that Iran is approaching 
uh, having a nuclear-capable weapon. Uh, and uh, they have uh, consistently worked on ballistic missile systems that would be able to uh, deliver such a weapon uh, to Israel. Israel will not sit back. Uh, they will take uh, strong action along this line. Interestingly, uh, we are told that the United States, and we have seen examples of this in joint Israeli and uh, United States uh, war games mm -hmm. in the region, including uh, the United States providing refueling ships for Israeli aircraft that would allow them to be able to do significant uh, damage to Iran and to Iran's nuclear facilities mm -hmm. and return to Israel, uh, mm -hmm. be able to cover that distance without a, any problem. It does seem that the United States and Israel are agreed on the idea that uh, this is a step that uh, will not be allowed to stand. Mm -hmm. So in this coming week, uh, I would uh, really encourage you uh, to keep a weather eye on what's going on over there and uh, whether Iran backs off of all of this, uh, whether uh, the United States and uh, Israel um, make some kind of a move, whether increased sanctions are placed upon Iran, mm -hmm. uh, you name it. It's going to be a very, very interesting uh, week yeah. indeed. In fact, uh, a uh, representative of the Likud party in Israel uh, a uh, Netanyahu uh, ally and former minister uh, told uh, Israeli media that Netanyahu is prepared to order a strike against Iran's nuclear facilities, even if the Biden administration uh, doesn't give them the go ahead. If the Biden administration doesn't stop Tehran's quest for nuclear weapons, uh, this is the quote money quote Israel will for the first time be facing a regime with nuclear weapons uh, and uh, Israel will not be reconciled with a nuclear Iran. In my assessment, uh, there is no choice. This is the story of 1981. Well, what happened in 1981? Well, Menachem Begin uh, uh, basically took out a uh, nuclear plant in Iraq mm. and in Syria uh, because uh, the intelligence was being received that they were using to develop nuclear weapons. Mm. So this happened uh, under Begin in 81, uh, in, uh, under Olmert in uh, 2007. And now uh, we are probably looking again at some kind of a uh, military strike on Iran, which, by the way, <laughs> if you're keeping score at home, if that wasn't <laughs> enough, uh, Iran is probably one of the most stout and stalwart allies of Russia mm. in their current war against Ukraine. They're the ones that are supplying Russia uh, with sophisticated drone technology mm. that is being used to strike uh, infrastructure targets uh, within the Ukraine. And... Uh, you know, they're definitely on the same page together. So if the United States and Israel move against Iran, uh, what can you see happening? I think you can probably see happening uh, Hassan Nasrallah in Lebanon uh, activating the uh, missile stocks they have there. Mm. Uh, you're going to have a missile shooting war like they had uh, a few years ago. Uh, certainly at, at a minimum, uh, Israel's probably going to be hit by them. They're also going to be hit by uh, the, uh, uh, the jihadis in the, the Gaza Strip. Uh, it's going to be a very, very interesting set of circumstances mm. that could really uh, rewrite the map. So mm. lots going on there wow. as far as the horizontal goes. But there's good news. <laughs> yeah, please. Uh, uh, please, <laughs> after all of that, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, is I yeah. guess what we're trying to say. But the good news uh, is this. Uh, going on Twitter can be, uh, well, kind of a, a disconcerting experience, if you yeah. want to 
see people being negative and and, and kind of carping at each other and so on. Uh, that it's, it's a great place to go. If you mm-hmm. feel like you're entirely too peaceful and level-headed, go on Twitter <laughs> for a while. Guarantee it. self-esteem is too high. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But uh, interestingly, guess what was uh, trending on Twitter today? Number mm-hmm. one thing trending on Twitter, Jesus is coming soon. Wow, really? That's the hashtag. Wow. And uh, when you take a look at that, a lot of it ties into uh, the fact that, uh, that uh, people are seeing mm-hmm. uh, a move of God happening uh, among people and a lot of people are familiar with this asbury revival yep. uh, a group of college students in a small college in in uh, back in in the south uh the town that asbury is in is uh roughly about six thousand in population there's mm-hmm. well over twenty thousand people there uh to take part in what's going on there a group of students just started worshiping the lord yep. uh confessing their sins to one another mm-hmm. uh seeking god and people we're having this uh, really intense sense of the presence of God there. Mm. Uh, many uh, going so far as to call it a revival that mm. was taking place, or at least the seeds of a revival. Well, very interesting. Things aren't just happening in uh, Wilmore, Kentucky, which is where uh, Asbury is. Mm. Uh, I saw a, another uh, a story on uh, Twitter that kind of blew my mind. There was a March for Jesus uh, numbering over 2,000 people that took place, guess where? Santa Monica, California. Mm. Now, growing up in Southern California, I got to tell you, Santa Monica isn't what I would call the most evangelical friendly place yeah. you're going to ever run into. Sure. Uh, but uh, people were taking it to the streets, proclaiming their faith in Jesus. And uh, it does appear that in other places, uh, there are those who are saying that God appears to be doing a major move, even here at uh, Calvary Christian Fellowship. I have no explanation for it, but uh, we are just seeing uh, overflow crowds coming in to hear the word of God. Mm. You know, people that we have never seen before are just suddenly yep. showing up. Um, you know, you talk about signs of the apocalypse. Yesterday uh, in our second service, people actually had to sit in the front row <laughs> because there was nowhere else for them to sit. My goodness. And we had people in the overflows and so on. Yeah. You know, you know, when we talk about revival, that can be a very confusing yep. sort of thing, you know, and, uh, and you know, people kind of have their own definitions. They can't really define it. Mm-hmm. They know it when they see it kind of a thing. Uh, but uh, we have seen in events like the Great Awakening in the United States, the second Great Awakening in the United States, uh, where uh, the Holy Spirit really seemed to move upon people in a very powerful way, a very life-changing way, and certain movements came out of these revivals you know for instance uh the great awakening uh spurred the uh, rise of what we would call the methodist church uh and you know today the methodist church is not what i would call a place you tend to look for as far as revival (laughs) is concerned but uh back then uh, methodists were kind of like campus crusade for Christ, people on steroids. Mm. They were they were hardcore evangelists. Really, and uh, you know, in, even in uh, terms of some of my family history, my great 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 grandfather uh, became a Christian on the eve of the Battle of uh, uh, Bull Run in the mm. uh, Civil War. Mm. He was deathly afraid of dying. Uh, he gave his life to Christ. Was baptized in a creek before the battle, and uh, made a commitment that uh, if he survived the battle, he would serve the Lord for the rest of his life. Well, mm. he followed through on that and spent the rest of his life planting churches all over the, the, the Midwest. Mm. Uh, you know, I never even knew about that 
uh, area of our family background until my mom showed me this family Bible after I got saved and said, oh yeah, there's this, this letter here from your great, great, great grandfather. You probably find it interesting. And I read this thing. <laughs> now I you tell like, me. I felt like I was having fellowship with this guy over, you yeah. know, like, a, you know, well over 120 years removed from this guy's life. That's awesome. You know, him talking about his love for Jesus and how the Lord used him and, you know, what his life was all about. So, you know, we have seen these sort of things. Maybe the, the, the best current example of a revival that created a movement is uh, the Jesus movement that mm-hmm. essentially arose out of uh, Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa mm-hmm. and created what we call the Calvary Chapel movement. Mm-hmm. Now there's well over 2,500 Calvary Chapel churches mm-hmm. all around the world oh, well, yeah. that started out with the little country church on the edge of town with 17 members. Mm-hmm. And so this week, uh, the, uh, the movie, The Jesus Revolution, which is really the story of how Greg Laurie came to know the Lord and and how uh, the different people, Chuck Smith and others were involved with this whole process. But uh, people are saying, is this another example uh, of this kind of revival? And as soon as that question comes up uh, and, and you can find, you know, even the great awakening, the first and second great awakenings and so forth, people were for it and people were against it. Yeah. You know, you had people that were excited and enthusiastic. You had people that were really critical. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was a lot of confusion on that. But our good friend Dave Guzik, um, and uh, I don't know if if you can look this up on Facebook, but he published on Facebook on his site. And if we could come up with a link uh, to it before uh, the broadcast is over. But he had like a, a uh, it's about a 20-minute kind of heart-to-heart talk about revivals and how we're supposed to process all of this. And I loved what Dave said about this. Mm. He said, you know, uh, when we hear about things like the Asbury revival, so so called, um, you know, we, we will tend to hear very positive things about it and very negative things about it. Uh, and, uh, and what he urged was this, uh, and, and I love this was that it's almost our human nature, uh, to be skeptical about things. Because right. again, we've seen counterfeit revivals like the Toronto Blessing or the Brownsville revival that just ended up, you know, being you know strange and bizarre, non-scriptural things that fizzled out uh, under their own weight. Uh, and and some people that have been suckered in by these things and have been burned by these things will say, "Well, how do I know this is going to be something like this?" So we tend to be in one of two camps. We will tend to either uncritically say. Oh, yes, absolutely. This is another work of God. Maybe we're seeing something like the Jesus movement getting going. Other people say, oh, no, I've, I've heard some really disturbing reports about things that were sad and some things sound a little culty and some things sound a little compromised. The thing I loved about what Dave Guzik said was this. He said, I encourage you to be uh, not to be undiscerning. You know, we, we always hearken back to First Thessalonians chapter 5. And verse 19, where it says, do not despise prophecies, test all things, hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. Uh, That's where we want to be. We don't want to be uncritical spiritual consumers because Jesus warned that uh, in the last days, false Christs and false messiahs would show up and perform signs and wonders that if possible could deceive even the elect. Mm. So I, I don't want anybody to feel like if they have a check in their spirit or they want to be a critical spiritual consumer about these things, that they're wrong or they're not being spiritual. But the thing that I loved about what Dave said was this. We tend to be critical or, or skeptical 
and we hear good things going on. Right. And we tend to buy into the criticism that might say, well, I heard this bad thing and I heard this and this and this. What he said is, you got to be both. We should be not overly gullible when we hear good things are coming on are going on uh, because if it's of God, it's going to be very evident that it, that it is of God and it's going to confirm itself uh, over time. But we should also be skeptical when we hear negative stuff being said about this. And, and you know, that really hit me, Dave, like a ton of bricks because mm-hmm. I'm really good at being uh, skeptical about the good stuff. Right. But when I, you know, go on like one of these discernment ministries or, you know, see something posted and say, whoa, whoa wait a minute, here's some really funky stuff's going on. Mm-hmm. I tend to, my default position, maybe it's because I'm an adult child of an attorney. Yeah. Right. <laughs> my default position, if it sounds too good to be true, it is, mm-hmm. is to go with the negative. Mm-hmm. And what Dave said that I thought was so good was this, be equally discerning about both. Mm-hmm. And he cited some really great uh, material that uh, James Edwin Orr, who was a historian who studied revivals, came up with. And some of the criticisms of some of the revivals that have gone on in the United States uh, ended up being uh, deemed historically factual on on the slimmest uh, of evidences. I mean, people would quote one person who was a critic and say, oh, no, they they were authoritative, just Mm -hmm. one critic. And then uh, this person would quote them would uh, would say, oh, yes, I think they're authoritative. And then other people would say, well, that person who quoted the critic is authoritative, so we're going to believe them. Mm. But it was all on the very thinnest of, of evidences against them, and there right. was a lot of jealousies and a lot of territorialism that was involved with it. So the one thing I really loved about what Dave said, and if we can post the link to it, it's really worth, yeah. worth a sit down and listen to, yep. is don't be undiscerning, mm-hmm. but... Don't be so cynical that you miss out on a real blessing either, you know, because God's going to show which is which yeah. uh, when it's when it's all said and done. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and so I thought that was just a really, really wonderful. It's it's so ministered to my heart because that's something you can take with you beyond uh, the Asbury revival. Right. Uh, it's something that we should have no matter what kind of claims someone is making about a real move or a genuine move of the spirit of God, you know, trust, but verify, I think is, is the best attitude to be able to have. We don't want to be gullible. We don't want to be taken in uh, by spiritual con artists. And one thing Dave acknowledged was uh, in revivals, revivals can be messy and, and they in, invite all kinds of different characters into it. The Jesus movement revival, uh, for instance, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was, was great and it was wonderful, but it also spawned some cults. Uh, there were hippies that came in uh, that created, uh, quote unquote, uh, ministries that denied the deity of Christ wow. uh, or denied the doctrine of the Trinity and uh, insisted that anybody that uh, was really following the Lord sell all that they have, disown their parents and move to their compound in uh, Ohio, uh, the, the, the Way International a cult was uh, was a, an example of this. Uh, so we we don't want to say because there were wolves that got in among the sheep that nothing good happened there. So right. obviously good things did happen there, but that doesn't mean that you aren't going to have to exercise that kind of discernment. So I, I thought that was really wonderful uh, to see that. Uh, I think it's wonderful that uh, you know even in our church itself there just seems to be a real powerful move of the spirit of God, not something that we hype up, not something we gin up, not something we go to a seminar to figure out 
how to do it. Um, God does these things when God decides to do them. Yep. And it's just wonderful to be alive at a time like this. And, you know, as far as dovetailing it back into biblical prophecy, you know, I, I don't believe that a revival at this time would necessarily be a sign of the times. Hmm. Uh, I don't think there's anything that predicts that things were going to get spiritually better before Jesus came for the church at the time of the rapture. Mm. But having said that, it seems to me that if God's default position is that he's not willing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance, it wouldn't surprise me if we see as the time of Jesus return draws near, and I believe it's drawing near, Mm. uh, that God is going to do uh, an extraordinary work of drawing people to himself so that yeah. many people as possible will not have to go through the great tribulation uh, they'll be able to go in the rapture so yeah. very Amen. exciting yeah. times to live in yeah, yeah. it is absolutely yeah. well let me share with you um i did just post this the video to our facebook page so if you're on facebook uh, the calvary christian fellowship yep. but if you go if you search for dave guzik on uh, youtube this is and go to the live tab right there that's where you'll find it's the last video he posted right there skeptical of the asbury revival uh, but I did just post it to our Facebook page as well. Uh, but again, search for David David Guzik on YouTube. Go to the live tab because it was a live video that he did, and you'll be able to find that video that Pastor Scott here was referring to and uh, check that out. I saw part of it myself, and I was um, moved by it as well, like you said, Scott, that he was um, saying to be uh, just discerning both yeah. ways, you know. Yeah. One other thing I want to share before we dive into the questions, yeah. just a, an update. As far as, uh, you know, someone that's near and dear to our hearts in the ministry, Adani Akim Agbalusi uh, is a Calvary Chapel brother who uh, was one to Christ from a Muslim background. He ministers in Nigeria mm-hmm. in a heavily Muslim area, discipling and raising up new church leaders wow. in this area. Uh, he gave me an update uh, yesterday, and I just wanted to pass it on to you all so you'll remember to pray for Adani and his ministry. He says, we've been busy uh, reaching out to people in different places in our attempt to recruit students for our upcoming semester in March. One major challenge here has been having people sign up uh, from the tr- for the training. Amazingly, God is opening doors for us now, and we have a good number of people who've signed up. Presently, we have over 20 names on the list that are mm. committing themselves to pastoral training mm. there. Uh, they're considering picking only 15 of them because of limits on their facilities. Most of the students we're expecting are Muslim converts from the northern part of the country where there is so much hostility and threat against believers. The majority of them ran away from home to avoid persecution from their own people. So they're going to support them with transportation to their particular compound and feeding them there in the place. They said, join us in praying that they will be able to show up for the training beginning March 20th, that God will use the training to transform their lives and that God will provide all the resources necessary. He says, and this goes out, I think, to every one of you on the program, I, I really appreciate your love and prayers for us. It means a lot to us. Mm. We always feel encouraged, inspired, knowing that you're praying for us. Mm. So, um, you know, again, keep Adni and the uh, people in Nigeria there. They're right on the front lines because uh, northern uh, Nigeria is where Boko Haram operates, which is one of the most vir- virulently uh, violent uh, Muslim uh, groups that you're going to run into this side of uh, Hezbollah and and Al Qaeda, really um, kidnapping people, uh, you nice. know, uh, kidnapping children, uh, mm-hmm. murdering whole families, destroying villages, all in the name of Islam. Boko Haram uh, basically uh, got its name because they were very upset because uh, Christians were providing 
uh, education and literacy to people in that region, which they considered a threat to their radical form of Islam. Mm, yeah. So, uh, you know, Adni and his uh, his team are right there on the front line. So please keep him in prayer yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, great. Well, thanks for <clears throat> sharing that update. Um, I had a question from Maggie, which uh, we, we probably touched on quite a lot, but Maggie, uh, along the lines of revival, she asked, why do revivals come and go? Why did that happen in Israel as well? God did amazing th uh, things. People turned to him, and then the children of Israel did evil in the eyes of the Lord. The same with Nineveh. It got good, and then it got bad again. Why yeah. is that? So why? I mean, revival is a thing. You, yeah. you see that. You know, why does God seem to work in these kind of ways? Well, a couple of things I'd say about revival in general. Yeah. Um, you know, there are unique times when, according to God's sovereign plan to reach people, mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit does seem to move in a very powerful and identifiable way yeah. uh, in a set of circumstances. Um, but the interesting thing about revival, and I think we have to be careful with it, is that people that get overly enamored with the idea of revivals and praying for revival. We gotta pray for revival. Well, one of the things that that kind of makes me wince a little bit, Maggie, is that if you need revival, it means something is either unconscious or dead. Right. So my my question is this. Yeah, uh, we should all root for uh, you know, a mass awakening mm -hmm. to people's need for Jesus Christ. Uh, and, uh, and certainly, uh, we're entirely in favor of all of that, but, you know, revival, uh, you know, it, there's an interesting thing about God. God doesn't do mass evangelism. Mm. He reaches people one heart at a right. time, but to as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Mm. So in any revival, you know, I think there is that, that principle that we see in scripture that God always has a, a remnant, a righteous remnant. You know, in the book of Ezekiel, our study on Wednesday night, we're going to be talking a little bit about that. And God talking about that even in uh, the, the horrific, uh, you know, idol-ridden times that Ezekiel was ministering in, there was still a faithful remnant of people right. that, that really belonged to the Lord. Romans chapter 11, read that chapter. God always has a, a remnant. And so whenever you see a mass move of God, um, you'll see... A lot of people that will get caught up in the moment. Mm. But I, I think, Maggie, the best way to look at it and understand it is to go back to the parable of the sower. Mm. You know, the sower is supposed to sow the seed. Jesus, yep. This is Matthew chapter 13, if you'd like to read the scripture. And uh, the seed fell on different types of soil. Mm -hmm. Some people say it's the parable of the sower. Uh, some people say it's the parable of the soils mm -hmm. because some of the seed falls on hard ground. Jesus said that hard ground uh, represented the hearts of those who were resistant to the message. And uh, the birds of the air come and take away the seeds and it never grows anything. It says, you know, that Satan comes and steals away the word and they don't receive it. Then mm. he says that some soil is like shallow soil, mm. that it falls and because the soil is shallow, it immediately springs up. Mm. Uh, but, you know, because of uh, sun and the lack of moisture, it immediately withers. These are people that receive the word with joy, Jesus yep. said. But because they have no root in them, uh, they fall by the wayside. They're unfruitful. Right. Then there's soil that is, uh, I guess, contaminated soil, we could say. Mm. The seed falls on that, but it's uh, overgrown with weed seeds and so on. And the weeds grow up along with uh, the good seed, and it chokes it out, and it doesn't become fruitful. Then there's good soil, uh, which uh, bears a crop 30, 60, or 100-fold, Jesus mm. said, uh, above uh, what was planted mm. in 
measuring ancient agriculture, a 20% return on your crop was considered good. (laughs) So, you know, what Jesus is saying is, boy, when the good seed hits the good soil, uh, amazing things happen. But the interesting thing about this is uh, of the, the four different types of people, the four different types of hearts Mm. that are described there, only one bears fruit. Mm. Now, does that, mean that only you know one out of four people really get the message mm. yeah it seems to be indicating wow. that you know really receiving from the heart and really having a transformed life yeah. uh when i was in high school at rio mesa high school you know i got saved and, and there was a fellowship of christian athletes ministry we had there and a mini revival broke out uh you know our fca group you know when i got saved had maybe 10 people involved with it mm. uh, but by the time i graduated as a senior we had to meet in the gym Wow. Because so many people were coming out and, yeah. and making professions of faith in Christ. Um, you know, when you look at something like that, it's awesome to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jesus was the subject of conversation on the campus. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of people got touched with the word. But I'll tell you what, looking back on it all, um, I don't know, maybe one out of four people that made a profession of faith during that ministry Still walking still with the Lord, really, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and, and the Jesus movement kind of works the same way. Yeah, you know, a lot of people are really hyped about the Jesus movement, but I'll run into people and say, "Oh yeah, I was a part of all of that," but yeah. you know, they said the rapture is coming, it didn't happen, so I, you know, forget mm-hmm. it. You know, yeah, okay, you know, the seed got on the soil, but the heart wasn't ready to receive yeah. it. Right. So, um, you know, when we talk about revivals, the first thing that I think we have to keep as our number one priority, Maggie is to make sure that a revival is going on in our heart personally. Yeah. That that we are a part of that remnant, yeah. that we're receiving the good seed of the word. Now, notice something about the, the parable of the sower. The sower is never criticized for getting his seed out on all kinds of soils. Right. Uh, I heard a, a, chaplain, a chapel at Talbot Seminary when I was there uh, where a, a pastor named Curtis Mitchell so the point of this is be a crazy sower yeah. <laughs> uh, because you just never know what's going to take and what's not going to take, yeah. you know, don't be a soil inspector, right. you know, say, well, I think you're a little shallow. I'm not going to share with you or, yeah. oh, you seem a little weedy to me, you know, so I'm going to, no, just get it out there. <laughs> yeah. God's the one who causes the right. growth. We don't know. We share the word. We don't know, yeah. you know, so, so our part is to share the word and trust that God's going to, to use it. Make sure that we're good soil. You know, and, and if maybe, you know, we have an up and down relationship with God and there have been times we're really excited and then we kind of burned out and so on. You know, it's not uh, a destiny to be a certain kind of soil. Mm. You know, when I think about my uh, encounter with the good news of Christ, and I'm sure, Dave, you could bear witness in this in your own life. You, you didn't receive Christ the first time someone told you about Jesus. Right. I didn't either. No. Uh, my heart was pretty hard. Yeah. I used to mock and make fun of people that would mm. share Jesus with me. I would say I was the classic hard soil yeah. in that parable. You're an atheist, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, you know, Satan would take away the seed. And closest I got to reading the Bible was trying to see if there were flying saucers in Ezekiel, you yeah. know, not really exactly heading toward the light, if you will. Yeah. But God kept working on me. Mm. And God can, you know, there's a really interesting scripture in Hosea about breaking up your fallow ground. You know, the idea that uh, there, there's uh, a time to plant something and there's a time where, you know, soil is left to kind of replenish itself, but then you break it up and you, you plant the seed. And I think that's what God does in the lives of people. So here's a theory about revivals. Yep. Okay. The seed has been going out. 
um, in an unprecedented way. Yeah. There are all kinds of ministries out there, not just our church, not just Calvary Chapel, all kinds of ministries sharing the word of God, the sowers sowing the seed. But when the sower sows the seed, right, uh, it doesn't immediately just, you know, you know, you you get an idea of what you got. It takes a little time, you know, and and so there is a, a time if you're planting seed where it looks like nothing's going on. And then suddenly when spring arrives, kind of like around here, uh, suddenly everything goes crazy mm-hmm. all at once. We all have horrible allergies as yes. a result of that. Yes, we do. But uh, but it, it's indicative of what God does spiritually. Mm. And, and maybe this is why we see this peaking and then this leveling off. Mm-hmm. That just like the cycle of agriculture, mm. you don't always have planting season. You don't always have the season where things spring up out of the soil and they're in bloom. Mm. You don't always have harvest season. You don't always have the fallow season where it's, you know, cold and wintery, nothing really grows, but all in God's time, he causes these things to happen. Mm -hmm. And and so, you know, when we look at the, the, the great awakening, we look at the Jesus movement, you know, even look at what happened at Rio Mesa high school. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I'd been a Christian there talking to people about Jesus and other people talking to people about Jesus on Mm -hmm. campus for about two years before suddenly, yeah. bam, yeah. this thing just took off, yeah. right? So the good seed goes out, prayer, it's bathed in prayer, it, it's demonstrated to be authentic in love, and then it's like God gives that increase right. at just the right time. Yeah. So, um, you know, I don't think there's anything erratic about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and the other thing that I'd just really like to encourage people about is, you know, people say, well, you know, we just haven't really seen anything. Really sound. All those Jesus movement days, oh man, those were the days. Doesn't seem like God's doing anything. Mm. Be very careful about that. Mm. You know, I, I think about the book of Nehemiah. Mm. When Nehemiah came to the walls of Jerusalem, right? The first thing he did wasn't to announce to the people of Jerusalem that we're going to have a wall building party and who wants to sign up? It says that he spent, uh, I mean, like weeks just going around and inspecting the walls by night Mm. to see exactly what was going on there. And then once that secret part of things got done, then the people were brought in and and the work continued. How interesting that the, the name Nehemiah literally means dove of God, Mm. you know? And, And so, you know, the Holy Spirit... Uh, will honor his word. Sometimes we see it, you know, and there's, you know, it's like people will say, why do you suppose so many people are coming to the church now? You know, why are you seeing this surge of people coming forward and people coming to know the Lord? Yeah. I don't know, uh, but but we haven't changed anything. Our yeah, our true. goal is to pray, to teach God's word, mm-hmm. the, uh, the whole counsel of God's word from mm-hmm. Genesis to Revelation and love people yeah. and expect God to give the increase at the right time time he brings forth its fruit in season we're told about the righteous man in psalm one yeah you know and 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 so uh, i think maybe what we're seeing is one of those seasons where a lot of sowing of of the seed a lot of crazy sowers have been out there getting the seed out you know god's word is powerful dave yeah It, it, it never returns to him void that's right and so sometimes we look at it from the horizontal the human level and it seems like the secularist and the humanist and the hedonist are getting over and because yeah. they dominate all the institutions and all this other stuff, right. but God's doing a work. Yeah. And, uh, and I just, it's just exciting to live in a time like this. Yeah. So Maggie, I, uh, maybe that, uh, that can help you 
uh, with some of that. That's that's my take on it. Yeah. Um, you know, re, you know, listen to Dave Guzik's uh, little blurb on that, and uh, he'll give you a link to jedwinor.com. Mm. Uh, this guy that did uh, uh, historical research on different revivals that have happened down through time. So you want to explore that and how it went on in the past. Great. Uh, I just recommend uh, even going and seeing uh, the Jesus Revolution yep. movie this week. This weekend. Because yep. that's all about a revival that happened. You're going to probably see, and I I have not seen the whole movie, uh, but uh, you're probably going to see that there were awesome things and there were not so awesome things that all kind of came together and God, God used it. Yeah. But he always honors his word. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So That's great. How yeah. encouraging. Yeah. Thanks, Maggie, for that, that question. I hope that helps you out. And be crazy sowers. I love it. I love it. Uh, Craig, we've got about five minutes left on the show, believe it or not. Uh, want to do some lightning round here? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> question from Taylor. This is a great I love this question so much. Uh, when online or signing a contract, uh, is it a sin or lying to check yes without actually reading the terms and conditions of service? <laughs> online or any contract, is it just foolishness? Thanks. <laughs> I hope not, because if not, then I've, I have sinned. <laughs> well, you know... Um, <clears throat> The Bible tells us a very important principle. Whatever is not from faith is sin. Hmm. You know, in other words, <laughs> whatever your hand finds to do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. We're told in the book of Colossians. So, you know, whatever your hand finds to do, and if that's scrolling down terms and conditions, and uh, you can look at that and say, well, you know what, Lord, nobody really expects you to ever read this stuff. Yep. You know, look at it with a magnifying glass or go cross-eyed reading all of that. And that's your conviction. You understand what the gist of it is, yep. uh, that uh, what you're saying is, uh, you know, I'm in a sense indemnifying uh, this group from suing them if I don't like uh, their service. And, and, you know, the lawyers all got together and that's their Star Trek deflector shield that they have there. Yep. You know, if you understand that and you go, yeah, 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 I get that. I get the spirit of it all. Check. Move on. That's your conviction. Yeah. You know, okay. Right. But if on the other side of the coin, God's tapping me on the shoulder and said, well, wait a minute. Doesn't my word say, let your yes be yes and let your no be no. Mm -hmm. And anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Mm. Maybe a way to honor God. And I'm as convicted about this as you are, Dave, because <laughs> I you know that. Ah, terms and conditions. Ah, you know. We don't like your yeah. questions. Yeah, so take it back. Uh, but, but if the Lord's convicting you on that, well, how long is it going to take you to read that? Right. Five, 10 minutes? Yeah. And if you do that as under the Lord, I think the Lord's going to bless it. Yeah. Unless you're buying a house, then it will take you probably several days. To yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and you're going to want to, because you never want to say, find yourself in that awful situation and say, but didn't you read yeah. the contract? Oh, didn't I read? Yeah. Yeah. So, absolutely. Great. Yeah. Well, great, great question. Indeed. Great answer. Or, you know, another thing is have somebody that understands these things. Yeah. Go over it for you. Give you a summary and just say, you know, is there anything, you know, you're familiar with these things? Is there anything in here I need to be aware of? Yeah. Then you've done your due diligence because yeah. that's what that check is all about. Yep. You've done your due diligence. You've looked into it. Yeah. So it just depends That's how good. you take it. That's good. Yeah. Because yeah, sometimes the jargon, you may not, you know, be on the, on the page. Of oh yeah. Means, so. Especially yeah. with this interwebby thing here. Yeah. You know absolutely. how, what an ignoramus I am, but no, <laughs> <laughs> no comment. Yeah. Uh, well, we've got about a minute left. Uh, this might be a long question, but uh, you're, you're good at this stuff. So. Question from Ashley. How can the word of God divide soul and spirit from Hebrews 4, 12? How can the word of God divide soul and spirit? And that's a controversial verse. Well, let me be as blunt and direct as possible, yeah. and we can explore it later on uh, if you want to go more into detail. Soul, the word suke, tends to refer to the psychological part of man. Mm. Uh, spirit, pneuma, refers to the spiritual part of man. 
What a wonderful thing it is that the word of God divides that or discerns it. Mm. Uh, because a lot of times I can get suckered into thinking that a certain emotional experience is really a spiritual experience. Mm. Or I can be deceived and thinking just because I don't feel something, it isn't really a spiritual experience. Right. But when I look at my life and I look at these experiences through the lens of God's word, I'm going to know that the Lord is in the middle of it. Wow. So that's kind of how it divides that up. Yeah. 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 Very good. Yeah. Well, you answer that real quickly. <laughs> okay. Got another one. <laughs> uh, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Craig asks, is Damascus turned into a ruins heap pre or mid trib? <laughs> you know what? Um, there's, there's nothing in that passage in Isaiah that mm. talks about the destruction of Damascus mm. that indicates when it's going to happen. It could happen before the tribulation. Okay. It could be one of the incidents that takes place in the tribulation, the fascinating thing is Damascus is not only going to be destroyed and never inhabited again. This hasn't happened yet. It mm. will happen in the future. Mm. But we're also told that, that there will be great weakening, great sickness or illness or sickliness in Jacob as a result of what happens in this battle. Mm. Uh, so it's going to be a victory for Israel, but it's going to be one that costs them dearly. Some people wonder if it's even something that could be involved with biological weapons or things like that. Okay. Uh, so uh, there, there's nothing that pinpoints that, Craig. Gotcha. Uh, it could happen at any time. It could be one of the different battles that happens in the tribulation. Gotcha. Great. Thanks, yeah. Craig, for that question. Well, I'm going to call it. We're out of time <laughs> for right. sure. Got it. We'll see you all tomorrow. Same time, same places. God bless you. You've been listening to A Reason for Hope. Thank you again for joining us as we continue our journey through God's Word, one question of the heart at a time. Until we meet again, we would love to connect with you. You can text or email your questions to questionsforhope at gmail.com. You can also find out more about our ministry at calvarychristianfellowship.com. And be sure to join us next time on A Reason for Hope. A Reason for Hope is an outreach ministry of Calvary Christian Fellowship in Tucson, Arizona.